This is Have You Met. My guest today is a zoologist, marine biologist, and TV presenter. She used to present Dive Live Underwater and now hosts live African safaris twice daily on Wild Earth YouTube. We talk about her hair-raising close encounters with both lions and elephants, her rescuing of a terrapin, and the tragic shooting of a leopard. Recently, she traveled to Ethiopia in hope of sighting the incredibly rare and endangered Ethiopian wolf, and is now an official WWF Voices Ambassador. Have you met Lauren Arthur? So you're from Scotland. So tell me like how, yeah, this all came about. Like, let's, let's go first of all, specifically, when and how did you realize you were like an animal lover? Was that like, a, was there a moment? Forever, as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, I grew up on the east coast of Scotland, which actually has a lot of beaches, believe it or not. It's very sort of oceanic. So it's cold. Yes, it's the North Sea, but it's um, very beachy. So we had a caravan there, one of these luxury, big, huge caravans. And we spent all our holidays and vacations there so I was brought up by the sea and we used to go rock pooling um you know whales and sharks used to watch wash up on the beach we would go diving and snorkeling and bodyboarding I don't know if I would do that now um (laughs) I like warmer waters now so I think I was just always brought up in a huge family of dogs you know everybody had dogs and yeah I remember one day my mom I was very very young and my mom served me fish on the plate to eat for dinner. And I remember saying, mom, this isn't the same fish that comes from the sea. And it's probably my mom's fault because she actually said, no, 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 no. It's, it's different fish. <laughs> You're five years old and you think, oh, okay, I feel better. I'm not eating the fish from the sea. Of course I was. But ever since a really young child, I've had issues with eating animals and that's my own personal thing. And just, I've always been an animal obsessive. I've probably would say I'm better with animals than I am with humans, to be honest. Um, They've been my life. I've dedicated everything to animals, be it land, be it ocean. I've sacrificed a lot. um, And I just believe in general, that's my calling. And I think it was just growing up on the beach and constantly being surrounded by them. Yeah. And your dogs. And the dogs can teach you so much, my goodness. Were you in the mainland of Scotland or were you on one of the little islands? No, no, no. I'm from Edinburgh. I am, but it's actually... Are you from Edinburgh? I'm from Edinburgh, but I mean, 20 minutes from my house is is the beach, you know? Oh, you... Um, Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I think I I blame that, really. I mean, no one else in my (laughs) family is necessarily big on animals as I am. So, yeah, I think it's probably just grown up on the coast. That's weird that nobody else in your family is like an animal nut as well. Like, uh, I mean, they all like animals, but not not. Or like they? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're like, for a normal person, they're an animal <laughs> lover. But then there's you, the kind of next level next evolution level. of that. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've seen quite a lot of you on YouTube and stuff, and you do go above and beyond. You do like. Uh, I just, I, th- I think with the animal kingdom there's no point in pretending that you know everything really I mean these people that say yeah no you don't you've really got to spend time with animals you've got to observe them and it's only once you start really homing in and learning about these organisms it literally blows my mind you know I'm studying insects quite extensively now and every day I'm just reading about them and I'm just thinking wow you know how do more people not know this how these creatures live their lives and I just find it so mind-blowing and I think that's what keeps me going every single day that I'm like 
I'm stumped, you know, I'm learning yeah. something new every single day. And I think that's the, that's the joy of what I do really. Yeah. Yeah. And you spend every day in the like African bush, which must be just, I'm so jealous. I cannot, I'm so jealous. I mean, it's like, hard. Uh, it's not easy. It's really not easy. I know people, it, you know, makes it look very easy. It's not, but I guess that's what I love about it. You know, we really do have our challenges out here. Yeah. Um, but you just see the most incredible things and you get to know these animals. Um, yeah. Yeah, whether that's a good thing, whether that's a bad thing, um, you know, you really get to know these animals. <laughs> I'm sure it comes both sides, right? I'm sure you get attached to an animal that then can just disappear or get injured or, you know, yeah, whatnot. That's the hard a sad part. time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but which are your favorite animals? Like both in terms of overall species and and in terms of like the ones you've named yeah. <laughs> I, know you name them. I mean talking about on land i mean in the ocean i would probably say it's manta rays um yeah i did so much work on manta rays we named the yeah. manta rays we id'd the manta rays we rescued them um and turtles i know they're the charismatic species but yeah i really really developed a lot of bonds with mantas and turtles believe it or not but i think on land here in south africa it's it's the hyenas and you're not you're not the biggest fan of lions i heard you say that somewhere oh i'm probably not supposed to say it no i love lions and i admire them i think you just form an attachment two different animals out here. I mean, one of my colleagues, his name yeah. is Tristan. He's so into leopards. You know, the leopards are his life. I would say I'm the hyena girl. And then we've got some people that are the lion people. And then, we, you know, we've all got different sort of specialities. And uh, lions are just not the most exciting species like, for me. Yeah, they lie down a lot. and They, they lie down yeah. a lot, <laughs> yes. Um, Which is fine. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to be able to lie down that much. But um, yeah, lions are definitely not my first portal. It's like my historic kind of childhood favorite animal, but I'll let you off. You know, I can deal with it. I love leopards and hyenas. Especially after the Lion King. <laughs> exactly, I love that film. <laughs> You're going to have to tell me about... Right, so I watched on YouTube the, your lion, one of your, I'm assuming, one of your close lion encounters, right? The one where you're sitting in the, the Jeep or the, the truck, whatever it is, and you're in the front seat. Your, your legs are like basically hanging out of the uh of the open door no not the open door the low the low door there's no door <laughs> oh there's no door okay so you're hanging out of the uh the, the gap where a door would normally be if you want to protect yourself from wild animals but you hang your, your legs are hanging out of there the lions a lot of lions are walking right next to you like i mean right next to you like uh, they could just swipe you and give you a tap on the leg yeah i think <laughs> we forget that there's um i'm based in an area called the sabi sands and yeah. they actually have this thing that they call the Sabi Sands complacency syndrome. Because what happens is because the animals are so habituated here compared to any other area that you start yeah. to forget that, not intentionally, but you start to forget, you know, this is a wild animal. And of course it's yeah. a wild animal. You would never do anything stupid. But you do have these moments when the animals get very close to the car that you just think, crap you know yeah. lions are so much bigger than they look on tv they are really really big so much bigger than yeah. a leopard and you know you see this 
powerful body of muscle walking past the car and you think wow you know and it's a nice reminder that you are a visitor in this environment you know your heart pumps and but you do I mean all the animals are just so habituated and it is a case that sometimes you really do need to slap yourself and just remember that you know that it's a wild environment you mm. are a visitor but yeah there's some scary moments and uh, this is not the clip that you're referring to but we had one moment at night time when it got dark we used to do a lot of nocturnal filming using infrared lights and flare cameras and I, I parked next to a fallen over tree and I just drove the car into the tree thinking you know we'll be fine I'll reverse and the lions heard a noise so most of the pride jumped onto the tree, the fallen over tree oh. to have a look at what the noise was. But the rest of the pride thought, ah, and they jumped onto the bonnet of the car. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was really hard. They weren't looking at us. They weren't even, you know, acknowledging us. They were aware of the car. They know what the cars are, but they were obviously trying to see where the noise was coming from. And because there was no room left on that fallen over tree, they just jumped onto the bonnet of a car and that, Wow. That was a pretty surreal experience. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I can see from watching you that you're you're a consummate professional. But in those moments, right, you must be just freaking out inside. Even if on the of outside course. you're able to keep it cool and talk calmly and carry on doing what you're doing to, you know, keep them at ease and not do anything sudden, but but I know on on the inside you must be like, "Oh my god, there's a lion." Right 100%. There. And 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 like you said, they're wild, you know. Yeah, I think if your heart wasn't pumping, you know, then there's something wrong. I mean, even with elephants <laughs> yeah. and rhinos and buffalo, you've yeah. really got to be careful of so many things out there. Um, I mean, we are trained, but to be perfectly honest, it comes from experience. You know, you've got to experience these moments to then realize how to handle it better or how yeah. to do it differently in the future. But yeah, your heart yeah. pumps like nothing else. You yeah, just don't I show bet. it. I <laughs> I could just, I could feel it coming through you in that clip, but it, I mean, you don't show it, but I can feel like the, you know, the tension and like the fact that you're purposely just trying to stay cool. Cause I, I am going to encourage everybody to watch that. I'm going to put the link to that in the description. Cause it's just a crazy little clip. Even if like you say, they're incredibly habituated and they're, they're super used to the vehicles. It's still like, even in, even in Longleat, that'd be pretty wild. That'd be pretty, uh, pretty dangerous. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, they're habituated, but their mind, their mind could change at any moment. You know, they're a wild, wild animal. Exactly. If something external, if, if an elephant yeah. charges out of a, a few bushes and scares them and, and then you at the same moment, it scares you and you react. And yeah, I, even with a, even with a domesticated dog, that's how I feel is that something can surprise them from over there. And all of a sudden and they're going to react. react to that and they might attack or not attack in a savage way, but might snap at something much yeah. closer that, that they don't want to snap at. You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we call that out here displacement aggression, you know, and that happens commonly in elephants where they're angry at something. You know, they've maybe seen a lion or they can smell a lion. They're really upset. You know, they're trying to protect their herd and their youngsters and then you come up. So they're not angry yeah. at you. You haven't actually done anything wrong, but they displace their anger and their aggression on you. And that's that's a that's a worrying thing. You have to be very very aware of that, conscious of that. Yeah, yeah. That's like me. That's uh, <laughs> I'm angry <laughs> at the world. No. Tell me about your elephant uh, close encounter because I watched that as well. Like you've probably again you've probably had more than one, but the specific one I watched is yeah just a crazy five minutes where they're just 
not a whole herd maybe but there's there's a handful of elephants coming right past you i think at one point a, a big bull male comes ah, yes. right next to your car i was i was actually more freaked out about the elephants um because you have to make a decision in the moment and the biggest thing for me is commit to your decision don't change your mind yeah. if you've committed to go then go you know just like driving yeah. a car and racing the traffic lights you know once you commit commit um yeah. and it was last christmas not the christmas just been the one before so it's summer here in south africa and elephants are just everywhere and we had one herd that we were following and they were actually just crossing the road in front of us so we were positioned really far back just getting lovely views but what happened was they actually bumped into another herd so there wasn't really aggression, but there was a bit of a sort of panic and they completely changed their direction. They completely changed their plan and came towards the vehicle. So at that moment, I thought, if I start to turn on my engine in reverse, it's a really bumpy, dangerous road. I just think it's better in this scenario just to stay still. The elephants know we're yeah. there. And if they choose to come close, um, so they completely surrounded the car. I've never been that close. I mean, I literally could have just put out my hand and touched one, which I would never do. Yeah. Um, my heart was racing and it was really, it was one of the best sightings I've ever had. But then all of a sudden this huge bull and he's in must, must as the sort of state elephants get into when they're ready to mate and their testosterone increases so they become really aggressive. And I just see this huge bull walking towards us. And at that moment, I thought, oh, no, I'm live. Yeah. The camera's on me. The world can see this, this huge bull. And my heart did really start racing. I was, I, was, I was scared then. I knew how to handle it, but I was also scared. And he came. He came right to the vehicle. He checked us out. But luckily, there was a female cow in the vicinity who was clearly attracting his attention she obviously was in estrus and he thought oh um (laughs) so luckily his attention was diverted from us to yeah to this lady um but yeah that was a heart-stopping moment i'll never forget that yeah that was crazy so do you think if it wasn't for the well-placed uh female that you would have been in a little bit more not not, i'm not going to say in like big trouble but in a bit more you know of an awkward situation would he could he have started like pushing the car or something like that or i don't think he would have pushed the car he could have got a bit boisterous male elephants are known sort of you know they posture and they show off and they try to make themselves look really big which is crazy because they are already really big (laughs) um most sort of accidents happen out here with females um it's the cows it's the cows especially the ones that have got calves they are the ones Mm -hmm. that unfortunately cause accidents mostly across south africa yeah yeah is so have you ever had any other like scarily close encounters let's call them with with any animals out there or i have i have an, an elephant actually on foot so the the wild earth safaris that you see now um they're all vehicle based but just a year ago we yeah. actually did one feed on foot um wow. so you have a cameraman with a, obviously a mobile camera and you were on foot presenting live exactly what we do now but but you're on foot but we also have a game scout with us and he's the one that carries the gun um mm-hmm. and that's a whole different ball game i mean that is that is a really different thing from just driving a vehicle and we were following this elephant bull in winter and he was younger, so the younger ones tend to be full of testosterone and they don't know what to do with it and they just get really boisterous. It's not really aggression. It's more uh, just boisterous. I'm going to show you that I'm a boy. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, he, he charged us while we were on foot. Uh, we, we were up a termite man. We should always gain height advantage. And it was yeah. fine. It was controlled. It was contained. You know, nothing bad happened, but it was scary. Yeah. How close did he come? How, how close did he stop his charge? About a meter away. No way. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, maybe a meter and That's a half crazy. at most. Yeah. But yeah. we were up at you were up a termite. So how high was the termite mound? That can't be more than like a, a meter or two. I mean, we were maybe two meters off the ground. It wasn't the largest termite mound. But yeah, that was a heart-stopping moment. And he didn't have yeah. any intention to hurt us. I don't believe that. Um, no. But yeah, he was he was showing us who's boss. And he is the boss at the end of the day. So that was pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. Is that your scariest, most heart-stopping moment out there then? Probably. But we were in safe hands. We were with one of the best game scouts i've ever met in my entire life and um yeah a great friend of mine still to this day so we were in safe hands but it was it was a very yeah scary moment i would say yeah yeah i mean i'm kind of scared just like listening to it and watching them on the tv and stuff yeah it's, <laughs> it's something but let's go back a bit like so so how did you go from you know your your studies and all that kind of thing and deciding what you wanted to do to then was marine biology the first thing or was it zoology zoology yeah. let's kind of go through that little period and how you came from from yeah you know a, a young adult to doing diving and live dives for youtube oh you know um i went to university glasgow university when i was so young i was 17 and now that I think back, I mean, that is a very, you know, you're not even legal to drink in Scotland at that age. You yeah. know, obviously you did drink, but. Um... <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but how did you go a bit earlier? Were you, was it just like because of your young age or was it, were you extra clever? No, unfortunately not. I think it's just the <laughs> curriculum in Scotland. You do four years okay. at uni in Scotland and three in England. Um, so I think Got it's just you. the curriculum and where my birthday sat in the year. I ended up being mm -hmm. one of the younger ones. Yeah. But, you know, in hindsight, 17 is young. It's so young. I was such a baby, but I still I knew I wanted to study theology. Um, mm -hmm. Great four years, best four years of my life. Um, probably partied more than studied, which is, ooh, you know, that's what university is all about. I ended up going to yeah. the Amazon as part of an incredible field trip. Um, At university, wow. Yeah, it was an incredible field trip. How long did you go there for? Um, I think three, four weeks I was based on the Amazon. And I, I mean the heart of the Ecuadorian wow. Amazon. You know, it wasn't just yeah. on the outskirts or on the sort of tributaries. It was right in the Amazon. And that's, that's an amazing. experience I'll never forget. Um, but I think deep inside of me, I always knew that I really wanted to study the ocean. That that was my calling. Because of the whales and sharks in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, just obsessed with the ocean, you know. Yeah, I can understand it. I love the ocean too. My dad's loved the ocean. I love the ocean. It's like, yeah, it's in our it's in our blood if you want to say it's it like scary. that it's scary the ocean scares me yeah 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 but i think that's my draw to it you know yeah. so i decided to take a year out and i went to fiji and i did just a, a program there you know a marine conservation program and that's when i did all my diving so i studied my paddy open water then advanced open water then rescue and all the different levels and i became a diver 
and mm-hmm. I saw my first mantra, fell in love and just had the <laughs> best time. So I decided that I wasn't quite done. I went back to uni um, and I studied tropical coastal management. It's marine biology, but with more of a sort of multidimensional approach, you know, bringing okay. in politics and socioeconomics Social and bringing in mm-hmm. everything. Um, yeah. Real world stuff. Yeah. And then after that, I, for my thesis, I got asked to go to the Maldives and study whale sharks. So, of course, I did that for my thesis. But <laughs> okay. Again, <laughs> I'll do that. If I have to. <laughs> it was more of a socioeconomic study. You know, it wasn't, it was all about people's perception of the whale sharks. Um, and then while I was in Maldives, I just met the right people and networked. I had, again, the best time, loved it so much. And once I finished my master's, I just got an email saying, you know, do you want to come and work for us in Maldives? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> um, stayed there for eight years and ended wow. up having an incredible career as a marine biologist and really experiencing some things that, you know, I just know that is a once in a lifetime experience. Um, yeah, and then that's been Wild Earth, which is obviously the company I work for now. They found me, and they were basically doing something called Dive Live. So right now, I was working. Well, it used to be called Safari Live. So we're driving the safaris, and it's live. But we did Dive Live for a sort of pilot program. Um, yeah, they wanted an expert marine biologist in who could dive and has lots of experience. So they flew me over to the Caribbean and I did that. I did live dives. Um, <laughs> it's not, is that not surreal to like talk about? It's just crazy to think that you, that was your job for a while, talking, like, into, answering questions from people and, and being a na- like a nature presenter, an animal presenter underwater, live. Like, that's crazy. It was crazy. You know, I would say diving is one of these things that anyone can dive. But in order to be a good diver, you really need to practice. I mean, I was a terrible diver for years. And it isn't until you dive, 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 you really start to become, you know, a good, proficient diver. Um, But I've never experienced talking underwater. You know, not only are you consuming oxygen, it's challenging. I mean, you rinse through your air. You've got a tank. You've got, you know, what? over 100 bar 110 bar and um you just rinse your, your air because you're talking yeah your oxygen so i mean that's a huge challenge um there was so many challenges water and technology don't exactly mix very well <laughs> um yeah. we busted a few cameras we destroyed a lot of equipment but it was a great pilot project um and then once that ended i just went home i actually went to live in malaysia for a little while and I just got a call saying, you know, although you're more of a marine biologist, you, you did study zoology, you have got that sort of foundation. We'd really like to invite you over to the bush and see if you would like to present on land. And immediately I just thought, no, like, no, no, yeah. no, no, I'm an ocean person. Um, but then I thought this is a chance for me to go meet more people from the company that I've heard about, yeah. David being one of them. Um, and you know just getting I assume experience. you heard good things about David at that point or <laughs> well, you know 
um, and then yeah I just came over here I didn't like it at first it was in October the day after my birthday and it was cold it was winter um, it was barren we go through two really drastic seasons here it's not green it's not lush there's you know and I thought I don't like this I felt mm. so out of my comfort zone I didn't know anything you know whereas I'm normally so used to having all this knowledge but then I realized that that's actually why I'm here because I don't know anything yeah. so I'm back yeah. at square one again to learn um to have a challenge and and now I'm, I'm almost three years guiding in the African bush which is just incredible to think that I've actually made it this far yeah <laughs> it is amazing and and if you watch like obviously if you watch you it sounds if somebody watches you they're gonna think that you know you've been doing that your whole life or at least longer than you have like you seem completely natural out there you seem completely at home and I really mean that. Like, you seem like you've lived there, what, 10, 20 years, any amount of time, like, you, since you were a child. Oh, thank like, you. Yeah. I mean, I, I was extensively trained by some of the most incredible people, my colleagues, and um, yeah. it wasn't easy. Yeah, they were not easy on us. And, um, you know, I like a challenge, so I knew it wasn't going to be a smooth sailing road. And I, I study every single day, you know. I make sure I set aside an hour in between working out and in between everything else to try and yeah. just study learn something new you know my job like is book teach. study book study or literature or you know find a paper or just do a little bit more investigating about something yeah. and proper theory yeah, study just, yeah and i think just keep on top of it all yeah. you know and i think that's why i've made it <laughs> yeah it's, and your enthusiasm i think probably helps quite a lot as well and your smile you get rather excited out there <laughs> yeah well you got to i mean like it's it's really exciting stuff you know like you're out there with these amazing animals like oh, every day i get a little bit emotional sometimes i need to stop yeah. that i cried when i found the hyena cubs for the first time last <laughs> yeah what was it like this morning i tried to watch bits of it this morning it seemed like you didn't have the the most active one on your your drive but yesterday yesterday maybe was more something Right. Yesterday was incredible, um, spending yeah. it with those two leopards. I mean, yesterday morning, because we know this leopardess so well, and she's done incredibly well at raising her son. And just, I mean, it's one thing seeing a leopard, but when you see two together, you know, this blur of spots yeah. and the interaction, oh, it's really incredible. Yesterday was a great day. And um, this morning, yeah, I had a bit of a challenging one. Yeah, you had a few bugs I mean, and stuff. Yeah, I love my insects. <laughs> you did have a leopard, though, still, though, didn't you? I did, but it was just in the trickiest, you know, we, we bash through bush, we get stuck in holes, we break our cars. Yeah, it's not easy. You got stuck yesterday on a log as well. <laughs> was it yesterday? Or was I watching one of your old clips? I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was an old clip where you got you got stuck on a log and you like had to, you like kept trying to get it off, you kept stalling. And in the end, you just, we're going to go over to uh, somebody else on the other side of uh, <laughs> while I try and drive out of this. And yeah, I think it was an old one now I think about it. Cause I don't Probably. Think it I've dated. been rescued a few times. And, um, <laughs> you know, my worst one where we're following this male leopard, he's actually one of my favorites. He's an old male leopard called Tingana. I love him so much. And we were, you know, following, following, bumping through and we lost him. And then I got stuck and my car would not go any further. So we had to get rescued, which was really embarrassing. I try, you know, I don't want to get rescued. And um, as we were driving along, we were free. I'm all happy. You know, we're not stuck anymore. My cameraman said, Lauren, do you not realize that you're missing a door? <laughs> what? 
And the one door that we do have, I turned around and it's gone. You know, I'd completely wiped off the door and not even realized. Um, so yeah, those cars have been through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was actually the one i saw as well because i remember i remember another video was called looking for tingala or something like that so, so you did have to get rescued so at least i've got the closure that i needed from that <laughs> from, from that adventure that's, uh, that's amazing though i mean yeah I, I could honestly talk about just your day-to-day -day for ages i could just talk about your everyday experiences Cause it must be yeah just crazy like we haven't even talked about Surreal. monkeys or anything yet like uh <laughs> yeah the monkeys so. felt my tooth but i had a really i had a wisdom tooth removed last week and it was all yeah. swollen and you know you oh know, yeah because you were going to the awful. dentist in johannesburg yes and um <laughs> I, I pulled it out and i thought i'm gonna keep this just i've got an elephant's tooth and i've got a, a warthog you know i was just gonna do a nice comparison for everyone just to see teeth generally yeah. across the board Nice. And the monkeys stole my tooth. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what they're going to do with it. How did this happen, please? <laughs> they love, I have a big box in the car and it's got all my books and my binos and my lipstick and my sun cream. And every, it's got everything inside it. And the monkeys just love it. Sometimes I accidentally forget bits and bobs of fruits and nuts in there. So they just have the best time in this box. So I lock it. Yeah. But they figured out how to open the no. lock, and that my tooth was inside, and they just took it. How did they figure out how to open the lock? How how technical is this lock? It's not really technical. You know those big um, plastic boxes with the the latch, like oh, like a latch. And they've obviously figured to unclip it. Um, so, nice. Yeah, the monkeys terrorize us here. They really do. Good on the monkeys. I hope they didn't eat the tooth though. I don't know. Oh, what would they have done with it? Maybe one of them's just got it in like his prized possession of like human teeth. You know, this is We're this is my <laughs> <laughs> tells everybody he killed the person. You know, very yeah, possibly. Uh... Who knows? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, they wait. Yeah, they wait for us to terrorize us every day. They're they're very. They're a lot of trouble. <laughs> these monkeys. That's brilliant. <laughs> so look again i like i said i could talk to you about the, the your daily life in the bush forever but let's let's jump back to your wwf thing when did you actually film that so it's the the search for the ethiopian wolf right the super yeah. rare going extinct ethiopian wolf when did you go out there and do it because it was only released a couple of weeks ago it's exactly a year now yeah exactly a year ago i got a reminder you know facebook memory and i thought oh goodness i was in ethiopia yeah. a year ago um and it was davi and i um and we just decided to go on vacation and i think you know he fancied going to zanzibar and drinking gin on the beach and i said <laughs> no let's let's go on an adventure you know let's do something yeah. really crazy that no one's done let's go and look for the ethiopian wolf yeah um i mean there's only 500 left if that and they're yeah. the cousin, obviously, of the African wild dogs. So I thought, let's go and let's just take our cameras and film. And if we see cool stuff, we see cool stuff. If we don't, we don't. And we just went on this last minute incredible adventure to Ethiopia. We met the most amazing people and we, we saw the wolf and we just filmed it. And it wasn't until we actually came back that WWF approached us. And we said, hey, okay. we've actually got some really cool footage if you're interested. And it just really organically happened. So now Davi and I are ambassadors for WWF. We've got some projects lined up with them. And 
it's just amazing to be an ambassador of such a great organization and to show yeah. people the wolf. I mean, most people say, huh, Ethiopian wolf, what is that? And when you see it, they're just, they are so beautiful. Ugh. Yeah. They look like a pedigree dog, you know, they're just amazingly. Fox. Yeah, mm. yeah. Like I, I can see little characteristics that I recognize from my dog. I'm like, oh yeah, the, the way he moves and stuff, it's just, a, they are amazing. They are so um, amazing. And I feel really lucky. And I just thought, you know, Davi and I had this platform. We have a bit of a following and, you know, we should educate people about the Ethiopian world. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. On my drives, safari drives, I try to talk about all different kinds of things, you know, the ocean and Ethiopian wolf and just to, you know, bring in different knowledge from different areas. Yesterday, you mentioned a sea cucumber on your live thing. <laughs> And at the same moment, I was on my, I had that on the TV. This was yesterday because I was doing a bit of like consuming your stuff. And so it's fresh. And I was watching on my iPad a video of you doing your dive live talking about a sea cucumber. And so I had it paused with a sea cucumber on the screen while you're talking about a sea cucumber in the middle of the African bush. <laughs> I was like, what? This is really surreal. I had to kind of second, like second double. I was just completely thrown off. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I like to, um, I'm just doing little riddles right now on any, <laughs> any kind of animal, because I think the main thing I have learned over my career from being in Fiji, the Maldives, Sri Lanka, Africa, from being wherever I've, I've worked is connectivity. So you get so like if you're a, if you work as a marine biologist or a dive master in the Maldives, you're very much focused on the Maldives tropical reef ecosystem. Mm -hmm. That's how you can think about the reef and the coral and the Maldives. You forget that that's actually connected all the way up to Sri Lanka and the animals migrate and the animals move and the ocean currents yeah. move. We humans just we just box things, you know, we just yeah. think of this instead of realizing that this ecosystem actually impacts on this ecosystem which then has an impact on this ecosystem and i think that's been my biggest lesson is we need to educate people more about connectivity yeah. so if our oceans die that really will affect our land ecosystems our land ecosystems will start to die as well but yeah. it's hard for people to visualize that it's hard for people to understand huh why would the ocean affect the african bush but it really really does and i think since that's been my biggest lesson that i just now try to connect the dots to with people you know yeah. it's not just looking at a line super it's, important yeah, it's super important. You've got to sort of draw the dots, relations, evolution, and just bring it yeah. all together. And I guess that's yeah. what I was trying to do with my sea cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, though. It was a great moment. I was so confused. I was like, what's going on? But were you listening to the actual facts, though? Because that would have been an even better moment. <laughs> I, I was trying to kind of listen to both. I'm like pausing one. When, when you talk on a TV, I was like pre pressing, turning it up, and then pausing the other. It was a bit all over the place, but have you got any amazing sea cucumber facts you want to share? I heard there was like thousands of species of sea cucumber, right? Which is there is. There, well, there are one. thousands of species, but their anatomy is very unusual, shall we say. I went deep into their anatomy last night. Yeah. I like to just throw a little, throw a little something in there that'll shock people sitting at home. <laughs> the shock factor. Yeah, they are kind of, they are weird. Yeah, a lot of people don't weird, even know they, they exist. There are so many animals you don't know. You, I, I also watched you find potentially a new species of fish on Dive Life. <laughs> Talking of people not knowing they exist. Do you remember you were filming? Oh, yeah. And that, yeah. Like the little red thing, little red guy, multicolored guy. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember. Oh, God, it was so long ago. Yeah, we also discovered something here. Um, we found nests of chicks, but then we realized that as we were filming and watching and trying to get really good footage, that it wasn't the parents or even the same species that was feeding them. So it's a completely different species no of bird that was coming to this nest to feed the chicks that were not their own. And it just wow. became this incredible story. And it's it's really not been filmed. It's not been documented before. So, you know, we capture lots of things that maybe science or, you know, research is not aware of. And yeah. that's super cool. Because there must be a lot of that. So what do you think that was? Is that a case of like some young babies, their, their, whatever, their provider dies or vanishes and then another species you think steps up to the plate and says we're no, not going to get to the bottom of it so the parents were there so helmic shrikes the helmic shrikes are the, the ones that had the, the chicks but then the chinspot batters were coming to feed and what was actually happening was the chinspot batters had their own nest maybe seven meters away Right. And they're saying that it's a biological urge that they are hearing the chicks cry of another species. And it's this innate drive to just feed them. They're in yeah, this right. sort of maternal and paternal instincts of feeding their own chicks. So when they realize that there are other chicks nearby that are hungry, it's sort of a drive to feed them, which that's is amazing. just mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's just small things like that. It just like it's animals epic. are so much nicer than people, aren't they? Wow. Like, <laughs> Far nicer. Far nicer. <laughs> That's amazing. In like, so, so yeah, we're talking about people and animals and tell me, this is like slightly darker and, you know, slightly more depressing, but in terms of the human impact on animals and the environment and the climate, have you, if you have, and what you have witnessed firsthand, like, can you tell me a bit about that? Out here, not so much, um, but I yeah. guess this is quite a controversial topic. Um, but just two weeks ago now, maybe maybe three weeks ago, one of our male leopards was shot. Ooh. And that was a really hard pill to swallow for all of us. His name was Hukumuri, and he's a great, iconic, amazing leopard who I have had incredible moments with. You know, a lot of my fondest memories involve Hukumuri. Yeah. And I guess this scenario was human wildlife conflict. So he escaped the perimeter of where he's supposed not escaped. He walked out of the perimeter. He went way out of his territory because he was being pressurized by other males. He's weak. And he ended up sort of coming to a village, a very, very small local village. And yeah. He's really habituated around humans, actually, but he was eating their livestock. And it became, they tried to catch him many, many times and it wasn't working. The woman whose livestock he was eating, she has nothing else. She mm. has nothing. Her livelihood yeah. is her livestock. It's a very um, developing country here. There's lots of areas that are very poor and rural and that was her life. And this male leopard is attacking her livestock. She also has young children. Yeah. She has to protect her children. And in the end, they were shot. It was controlled. It was done by the correct body, but this leopard was posing a threat. So it created a social media storm. People are sad. We've just lost one of our male leopards. It's heartbreaking. I shed a tear or two. I did a tribute to him. I said a poem for him. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. But it also opened the doors because we spoke about it on Wild Earth. 
to people all around the world sitting on the sofa in America or you in France or my family in Scotland to conservation's not just conserving animals it's like my yeah. degree you've got politics to think about you've got people yeah. to think about you've got money economics to think about there are so many sort of dimensions to conservation and i think that's what people forget and it's not easy in yeah. any part of the world human wildlife conflict is a huge issue it's just not spoken about so often but in africa it's africa you know, the human wildlife conflict is so rife and it happens every single day. And yeah. although I miss this leopard and I think about him and he was such an epic being to be around and I wish that hadn't happened. I also feel that it's opened the doors, it's opened people's eyes to the reality. Mm. You know, you may be sitting in England right now drinking tea. This is Africa. You know, there are wild animals top apex predators elephants larger than your house next to people's lives next to yeah. small little villages who don't have what some people around the world have and although there's so many different sides to the coin i'm obviously not going to dive deep into it but i think it just opened people's eyes into the reality of what we're facing here and yeah. i just think the message that should be taken from this awful incident is that people think conservation is conserving wildlife you know let's protect the animals but it's there's so much more to think about from governance to environmental factors you know and I think conservation is not easy there's people out there putting themselves on the front line to save animals lives and I think they should be recognized more way more than these Hollywood Definitely. actors and these footballers you know we need to recognize these people that are putting their lives on the line you know these anti-poachers these people that are going out to rescue and dehorn rhinos and wildlife vets you know yeah. they're really not recognized for the incredible work that they do and i think this situation is just although there was a lot of emotion surrounding it and there was a lot of false information put on social media i think it has opened people's eyes to what really yeah. goes on and how we need to improve we need to be better but there's not always the resources available um mm. so i mean that only happened three weeks ago it's still quite raw but obviously yeah. it impacted us here at wild earth heavily because he was a main character of ours and he captured so many people's hearts but at the end of the day people's lives were at risk young children's life were at risk. exactly i mean that's the thing from the sounds of that one i mean so there's there's a lot to unpackage there i mean Conservation is definitely something I want to talk to you a lot more about. We didn't really get the time today to go into it much, but next time that'd be great to talk more about just that in general. I know it's a huge topic and very, you know, intricate. So let's, yeah, I think that deserves a bit more time. But in terms of that specific, you know, thing that happened there with that leopard, it's, it's horrible. And it's easy, obviously, for social media to jump and and people on there to jump and say you know what there's an asshole with a gun you know they shouldn't be shooting whatever you know it's an animal he's it's yeah. just an animal you know but at the end of the day it feels like the way you just described it to me even in just a couple of minutes it's like a blameless almost you know one of those horrible situations where it's just 
you know it can be blamed on yeah the expansion of humanity or whatever it can be blamed but but in terms of the individuals involved the leopard's hungry he's got an easy kind of few meals there why is he not going to eat it there's no reason there's literally no reason he's got no paperwork saying don't eat the the farm animals maybe it's an unwritten rule of the leopards that they say let's try and avoid it but either way he he like he's eating his food and then the human she's trying to protect her family she's trying to protect her livelihood like you said and it's like there's nobody you can blame there there's nobody at fault in a way i mean it's just one of those yeah like you said heartbreaking sad yeah professionals in the industry who really you know whipped up a media storm and that that was the first thing that went wrong but you've got to just listen to the people on the ground listen to the people that are here and the people that have to go through this torment every day although this leopard was shot trust me this happens a lot more regularly than people realize but it's just mm. not posted about and it, it is a problem human wildlife conflict is a huge problem across the board especially in africa yeah and it's what solutions will have to come but it's a work in progress you know um yeah i really hope it just opened people's eyes to understanding the challenges you know i get a lot of messages from young people oh, i want to be in conservation like you you know it looks so magical and yes it is magical but you know, if you're on the front line, like myself, you have to make sure you make a difference. You have to make sure you do the job and talk about these things and explain these things and open people's eyes to that, you know, get the right message across. It's not all about sitting there with your leopard and, you know, having a jolly good time. You, you've got a job to do. And I see my job is reaching people, all ages, all nationalities to try and get those messages across, you know, whether yeah. you like it or not, whether you want to hear it or not it's the reality at the end of the day it's yeah. the world we live in and i think you're doing an amazing job of it you know i think if you keep doing what you're doing and just keep the the levels of enthusiasm of like you know what how much time you put into it how much of your life you give to it i think you're gonna you know you could be the future david attenborough you know in 50 years <laughs> 60 years or however old years. he is 100 years the man is infinite yes he's very old <laughs> but but yeah like you, you know you're on a really amazing path with it's it's the new way of doing it you know when david attenborough was younger tv was just i guess becoming a thing and now kind of the age that you've been doing it from you're, you're following with the internet i guess you're kind of you're, yeah new age. You, yeah it's the new yeah. way of doing it like these days you you don't need to follow a strict career path of oh if i want to be david attenborough i have to go and like sweet talk a load of people at the bbc and yeah. become friends with them and go and like you know have super high yeah. quality camera people follow me out there and yeah you're doing it you're on the path and it's amazing um yeah, you've just got to sometimes, you know, even in Maldives, you asked about examples, and this is just a quick example, but Maldives is also a developing country. It's very poor. They don't have fresh running water. It's an island nation. There's 1,200 islands. They yeah. are surrounded by ocean on the equator. They have nothing. Their islands are powered by generators, and they drink bottled water because they can't, they don't have any other source than collecting rainwater. And you have to remember that, you know, and they eat turtle. Now, the turtles over there are listed by IUCN as endangered. And mm. when I first went over there, I was younger, I was much younger, and <laughs> it was a shock. You know, I'm, I'm working here to protect the turtles, and these guys are fishing them and eating them, and they, they cut the plaster on the underside of the shell and open the turtle up while she's alive. Oh. And they want her eggs. 
Mm. They they take all the eggs from inside of her and they also eventually kill her, of course, and they, they eat the meat as well as all sorts of other fatty bits. And it's horrifying to think about it, but then what is different from eating a turtle to eating other animals? And I had to take a step back away from my pain, away from my wanting to say, no, 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 don't do this, to yeah. realizing that they have eaten turtles forever way back in the day when there wasn't these restaurants on the mainland when there wasn't exports and imports and big ships coming in and tourism and awareness of of there's not many you know and like things like that it just it was just normal i guess you know for a long time cultural and it's it's grown into it and but yeah you're right if you look at ours and you look at things like I can't think of any good example for the UK, but I know in France, things like uh, foie gras and things like that are still super, super popular. And it's the same kind of thing where the animal is forced to be into unpleasant conditions. I mean, unpleasant is a nice way of saying it as well, isn't it? But that's another thing we should talk more about, you know, is like vegetarianism, veganism, eating meat, consuming meat, because I'm really interested in that. I do eat meat. But I'm very aware of the fact I eat meat, if you know yeah. what I mean. I'm very conscious of the fact I should cut down. Like I already probably, me and my girlfriend, probably less than the average. Um, but we're very conscious of, like, you know, that we should be still reducing. Enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if everybody could do that, if everybody could just be conscious of it, you know, and just try and take it down to to whatever is necessary, whether it's a couple of meat, not necessary, because obviously you're surviving without meat, but, yeah. but whatever's necessary for them, whether it be a couple of meals of meat a week or, you know, yeah. just one meal a day instead of two or three with meat, whatever yeah. it might be, like everybody could do their own thing. Exactly, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I just try to do my own thing, you know, not press it on anyone. I think everyone can make their own choices and their own differences you know and even if it starts small and and like that Maldives example that's when I realized who am I to come to the Maldives and tell them you know it needs to be a work in progress it needs to be education start with the younger generation and explain you know turtles are endangered and it's you know let's not eat them and these are the alternatives and it's it's progress and I mean I rescued so many turtles from fishing lines and from nets and from all sorts of scenarios um, risking my life you know going underwater to rescue them and I think everyone can only do their bit and you have to always understand where you are and the culture and the history of the place that you're in before you come in with your sort of you know conservation approach and yeah. that was a big lesson for me back then yeah and I think everybody also needs to understand that just improving the little things by like one percent you know if everybody just tries to do a little bit, just in even cut out one meal of meat per week, right? And and buy one less thing that comes in a non-recyclable plastic container a week. Yeah. Just add these little things up. And if everybody or even 60% of people do that, the difference on a worldwide, that's how a difference is made. It can't be made from just you and just me doing what not that i do anything compared to you but but just a couple of individuals doing everything it needs to be a majority of people doing yeah uh, even if it's a little a little thing you know because it's not a lot we'd have to do individually but it's also then you get into the problem with it's it's also a lot of big corporations and government stuff and political stuff right huge huge problem it goes deep 
But you know, there's a lot of people out there that you can follow on Instagram or whatever, and they really are trying their best, you know, and I think we should follow these people. And there's even some celebrities now who are using their status as a celebrity to bring light to scenarios. And that, you know, that's what I admire, you know. Yeah, like Leonardo DiCaprio is one of them, I think. Oh, Leo. Yeah. I have <laughs> met Leo. <laughs> You've met Leo? I took Leo snorkeling really wow yes. how was that because Le- where was where was that as well was that in the maldives i took lots of yeah you're not in the maldives because he's familiar with the beach well you would think so but um <laughs> he wore a full face mask and a life jacket <laughs> possibly why he drowned in titanic you know <laughs> <laughs> not much of a swimmer not a natural <laughs> not much of a swimmer but yeah no i made a lot of people who yeah are also interested and and really try to do their best yeah. as well yeah, yeah the no, stories it's, it's i an... could tell yeah i bet well ne- next time when you're in the, when you're in the bush <laughs> <laughs> you know your life flashing before your eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean as as I, as i keep saying there's so much more i'd like to talk about there's so many topics we could go into like I haven't got into half of the stuff, probably not even half of the stuff I wanted to talk about, but, but you know what, we can do this again, right? We're both, we're both humans. You want to get the word out. I can't promise that many people are going to listen, but hopefully we're going to be able to make a little difference, even if, you know, it only takes one, right? And it takes the right, the right person. If one person hears this and gets inspired by you and uh, goes on to make a difference, then it was worth it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's all, that's why I do what I do. I mean, we're not paid phenomenally well here. We live in complete isolation. I haven't seen my family in a year and a half because of COVID. Um, my brother had twins. They're huge now. I've not seen them grow up. Um, you know, we yeah. get rained on, we get sunburned. You know, they sound like, you know, minor little things, but it, it's not easy. But I'm committed to just trying to at least just affect one person per drive you know where one person thinks oh i didn't know that or ah, oh, that's a new perspective and you know i get a lot of messages saying lauren i used to hate hyenas and now i love them and for me yeah. that means that i've done my job you know my people yeah. are into these animals and that means that i've done it yeah you know? you're definitely doing it you definitely just keep doing it how could anybody hate a hyena though they're always laughing you just listen to their happiness. They have a terrible <laughs> reputation. No, they terrible do. Terrible reputation. They do. And they're just incredible. They, you know, one of them lives in camp and um, he's, still, he's stolen everything from me. It's like a battle. And he takes my shoes and he hides them. I bring my shoes back. It's like a game we play, you know. And one morning, Davi was on duty and I was off. So obviously, I'm going to sleep in and enjoy a long lie in peace. And I just hear this noise and I'm thinking, oh, I woke up thinking, what is that noise? Davi's not here. And it keeps going, keeps going. It's very, very loud. So we, we have sliding glass doors. So I just open the curtain and there's one of the hyenas that I know very well just snoozing on my porch, letting off some gas. <laughs> and it was this incredible noise that was just continuous and yeah it woke me up and he's just sleeping <laughs> quite happily on my porch what yes. do you think you would do if you opened the door and were like hey buddy it's like if you if you he just got his attention and go, oh and go back to sleep he's not going to attack you he's not going to be like no. oh, i'm going to 
try and go in that flat and see if I can find some, you know, munchies. No, and... no, no, no. He's very familiar with us all. Um, the hyenas yeah. are in our camp probably every single night. Oh, uh, wow. But you're still conscious of the fact he's wild, right? And you're still with that Absolutely. little bit of... <laughs> Absolutely. You don't go and cuddle. You don't go and lie down next to him and stroke him. No, definitely not. He smells. I can't even begin to describe how having the smell. Does he smell as bad as the terrapin that you caught? Because you kept going on about how bad that smell. You not caught. Sorry, saved. There was a terrapin caught in some like uh, thorns and like uh, on a fallen tree, and you went up to it and climbed along the the oh, log. Oh yes, yes. Goodness, I forgot yeah. about that. That was awful. I mean, I'm used to fishy oceanic. <laughs> I felt smells, like I could smell it through the, through, the, through the camera because you just said it so many times how bad it was. <laughs> so I was like, oh no. Yeah, but I rescued him. I mean, he's You did so rescue him, yeah. As you said at the time, very ungraceful plop into the water. But, but yeah, it was still nice. It was a nice moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not supposed to intervene, really. We've, we've had some scenarios. Um, that's another issue here at what level do you intervene um, yeah. in the Maasai Mara policy? Yeah, where if it's human induced, it's kind of our policy as well. You know, if you hit an animal with your yeah. car, yeah. which I don't believe has ever happened here, but it's very common in the Maasai Mara. Um, a snare, um, mm -hmm. a wound, a bullet, anything that's happened from human activity, from yeah. human presence in this area, then you fix it. Yeah, I completely you know, think that's, that's a great policy. Yeah, and Swazi, the hyena, actually got caught with a wire around his neck. Um, so we mm. created this huge mission. Oh, my goodness, it went on for days. And we got him. I managed to get him. We darted him. And we removed the wire because it's – we don't know where the wire came from, but it's a human. Um, and this is the wire, and it's now turned into a lovely bracelet. For oh, myself. wow. That's Yay. super cool. No it's way. So cool. There's an organization I love it. called Down to the Wire, and they do it. Um, yeah. So, you know, small little organizations like this, you need to support. And I, I never take this off. This came from a hyena. Um, so you're going to wear that for the next 50 years. But when you are David Attenborough of the future, you can auction that. And that's <laughs> think how much money that's going to make when, when you're 90. That's a very good idea. <laughs> so just keep show it in every interview and every time you're on it's just my bracelet that was around a it's hyena's so neck and then and then one day <laughs> it's We're going to <laughs> hyenas. The company that made it, you know, they um they take wires from everything and they they yeah. sell them and it's an amazing company and they're doing their amazing. own part for conservation, you know, taking the yeah. wires and repurposing them. I love it. It's recycling. It's proper recycling, right? It's like it's true well, recycling. Recycling, I guess. I guess. Well, I yeah, I guess it's that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah. Hey, so look, I'm very conscious of potentially even delaying your drive this afternoon. So let me just ask you one last question, and uh, sure. and no pressure to give me a super, you know, philosophical answer. However. Sure. If you could send out some kind of message to, to pretty much everybody out there, everybody in the world, if it, was, if it was a thing, right? If everybody had a phone or if everybody had a way of seeing in the clouds, a message in the clouds, what would you say? Just insert like an idea of some things you could say to people. You know, this doesn't have to be your exhaustive answer. Sure. I think I would send a general message to everyone. Just... Just a reminder, I think we live in a very harsh world, especially with social media. You know, I've received death threats, I've been trolled, I've, yeah. I've had the most awful things happen just for being on Wild Earth. 
And I think it just a little bit of positivity goes a long way, a little bit of kindness. And I think I would just remind everyone, especially the younger generation, we have already touched on this, but we, you really can make a difference, you know. And it doesn't necessarily involve money, even if you've got no money. You know, it's not all about making donations to these bodies. It's just about spreading awareness or maybe educating your younger brother or maybe educating your friend or stopping your mom from doing that awful habit that she's got that's destroying the environment. You know, everyone can make a difference. And I think we forget that. We really, really do. And it's never going to be easy. And I wish... Someone told me that when I was younger. I just thought life was great and I was partying at uni and I was having the best time, but life is not easy. And I no. think you will get there in the end. You know, passion, persevere with your passion and you will absolutely get there. You know, and yeah. I think I would send a separate message in the cloud um, <laughs> to females because a lot of the industries that I have worked in are very masculine, they're very male dominated. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. But I think it puts females off being conservationists. And that's why I, I try to retain my girliness. You know, I wear my <laughs> nail polish and I will wear my jewelry. And it's not because I'm trying to prove a point. It's just, why should I go into an industry that's particularly male dominated and lose my femininity? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess for the females, I would I would send the message to say, you know, don't let that deter you. You be yeah. who you are as a female. If you're a really girly girl, then be a girly girl. If you're not a girly girl, then that's also cool. Don't be a girly girl, but don't let yeah. the sort of, even the diving industry, the guiding industry, it's just very male dominated. It's just, that's the way it is. And not that yeah. males are bad, but I can change my own tires in those Jeeps. I change those tires. Yeah. I follow those animals. I can An do icon. everything the boys do, <laughs> you know? And I think just don't let that deter you because a lot of females, I think, oh, they want to go into conservation, but they don't want to wear boy clothes and be masculine. Yeah. And I would just encourage girls, you know, we need more girl power out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why I continue to just be me. I've had a lot of abuse for it. You know, why do you wear nail polish on dry? Because it's me. And I'm not going to change just to fit in with an industry. So to cut a long story short, I just want to remind the girls out there, especially the young ones, that you can be anything you want to be and you don't have to lose your own individuality. Yeah, that's powerful. And I love it. Uh, it's <laughs> a really amazing couple of messages there. But yeah, it's totally true. Just, yeah, just be who you are and you can still do whatever you want, right? You can be a completely feminine male and be amazing at rugby. You can be a completely masculine or feminine woman and, and be involved in conservation. You can, be, you can be wearing a dress if you want and lie down. I mean, it would have to be a, you know, edit a, a changed dress, tweaked dress to work in the bush. But you can wear a dress in the bush and crawl through yeah. the manure if that's how you want to roll. Do, you know? <laughs> don't be scared don't hold back and i think too many people do hold back and we we shouldn't we should Definitely. all respect one another support one another you know not send each other death threats or bury each other online i mean it's a crazy yeah. world that we live in and you know it got me very down for a while um the bullying i was receiving and you know it affects people's mental health and it's one of the biggest factors of suicide across the world now, online bullying. And I think we need to, the human race needs to slap ourselves and stop this. Absolutely. It's disgusting. And without my colleagues, I was ready to give up. 
Yeah. It wasn't for my colleagues who picked me up and supported me. It's why I'm still here today. So I think everyone just needs to encourage one another. And if, like you said, if you're a really feminine guy, then so what? Do what you want to do. If you're a, I don't know, just a little bit different, just retain onto yeah. your individuality and, and you'll still get there. Yeah. You don't need to feel pressure to be put into a box and all this kind that's, of thing. You yeah, just, you are exactly what you are and you can do exactly what you want to do and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Right. It's exactly. Not, it's not like the, the pink bedroom, which means you have to do either vet, you have to be a vet or you have to be exactly. this or a drama teacher. You know, there's no, just yeah, do exactly. it. Just do what you and want. And although I'm here, like the path hasn't been easy. I've had some yeah. you know, huge dips in my right of life. Um, and it's not that we need to talk about them, but it's just a reminder that it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And nobody said it was ever going to be easy, but don't give up and, and you'll get there. Everyone will get there. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Maybe we'll talk about a few more of those next time, your dips. And sure. I definitely want to talk about like the abuse you face because I, I would never even have, I didn't even enter my brain that you might have faced abuse online because I know that's a big thing, people facing abuse online and stuff and online bullying. But I never would have thought in my wildest dreams that you, this like happy, smiley face of, you know, African wildlife and conserving nature and everything and get abused who's abusing you like it's very severe it's, it's calmed down now and i'm a lot stronger now but it was yeah. very severe and it impacted me heavily um it's messed up so without, yeah without davi and my colleagues I'd, i probably would have given up so it's just a yeah. reminder out there to everyone you know yeah everyone feels like giving up i mean I, yeah that's just that's that's sad i guess it was a very small minority but either way like yeah don't yeah. Do, don't let those people affect you if yeah, you can avoid it. Just a small it. act of kindness per day, you know, yeah. pay it forward. It's a great movie and we need to instill more of that in our life, you know, just one yeah. small act. Thank you so much. I mean, my drive's about to start in half an hour, so I'm going to go and get the Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm going to let you go, absolutely. Because um, I'm going to go and so put much. it on the TV now and watch you live on YouTube. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks again, Lauren. And, and you do you, yeah? You keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. You're really making a difference. Okay. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Lauren. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to that conversation with Lauren Arthur. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share it with a friend. If you want to follow Lauren or this podcast, all social media and website links are in the description. Thank you, Lauren, for your time and conversation. Thank you, Harmony, for turning this chat into an actual episode. Be nice. Be happy. Be cool.